Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. On today's podcast, we focus on dealing with the various changes that these times have forced and how you prepare your kids for the season in the time that we have left. And still, for a lot of states, that's a little bit of an unknown. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the need for leadership and how we continue to develop that and maybe some other miscellaneous topics with a coach who I love to talk ball with all the time. He's been on the podcast a couple times now, but the head football coach at Beaumont High School in California, Jeff Steinberg. Steiny, great to have you here again. Thanks, Keith. I always love uh, love hooking up and, and talking to you. It's always uh, very productive. Jeff, before we got going, we were talking about the, uh, I guess, various um, state of conditioning, maybe, that our players are, are coming back to the programs in. And I was, was telling you about my son's program and that there's some kids who really worked hard and some kids who... Uh, maybe didn't do as much as they needed to or would have done as much as if they were working with uh, the team in school. So, you know, one of the challenges as we look to reopen everything is that uh, these kids haven't been through what we're typically used to. They've, they've worked out with us, and you know coming into a season where everybody is at. So now coming back to you, there's this unknown. What are your thoughts on how you're going to handle that as, as things open up for you? Yeah, so so I think it's really important, whatever date your first game's going to be and, and working back from there, I think that, like, you know, all too often, and, and I've seen some things on social media and stuff, people think that things just have to be done now. It's, you know, it, it goes back, back to the whole instant gratification uh, concept or philosophy in some way, but coaches need to understand that, like you said, like kids are going to be coming back. Our players are going to be coming back in various levels of being conditioned and strength as well. We're going to have players that followed the workout that was given um, to them um, to a T and even did more. And we're, we're going to, we're going to find kids that sort of went through the motions and we're going to also find guys that for whatever reason, weren't able or just didn't do it. Just like, you know, when we're in the weight room, um, there's players that just take the whole thing to another level and they work hard and you don't have to get on them. And then there's some players that we all know that, you know, if you weren't on them uh, every part of the workout, they're going to just look for opportunities to, uh, to take it easy. So, so we have to, we have to be mindful to that and know that, you know, they're just going to be in various levels of strength and conditioning and, and work from there. And, and I think it's, it's almost like you have to make sure that you're, um, you're personalizing the workouts when they come back because you're going to have some kids that are at a higher level and, and we, we want to continue with them. But then there's going to be those guys that it's almost like coming off of an injury that we're going to have to bring along a little slow, uh, slower. So I think that coaches are going to have to really pay attention to the various levels kids come back. And, and I don't think it's a, a case of, hey, day one, let's give them a conditioning test, you know. Um, I think if they were off for a couple of weeks or maybe a month, you give them a conditioning test when they come back. But because they've been off for a very long period of time, I don't think you need a conditioning test. I think you'll know right away the level of work kids have been put it, being been putting in, and uh, coaches just need to be keen and, and very aware of, of where each kid's at. 
Do you see, you know, as you look at it, potentially, uh, I mean, you talked about kind of with these kids, everybody's going to be a little bit different. I mean, working in, in groups, as you see, like, okay, these guys, they're on top of it. We can push them a little bit versus maybe some guys who you know, like, okay, this kid's really out of shape, didn't do anything. Uh, might you structure it any differently in, in how you start to work those kids and maybe the protocols that you give them? Yeah, that, that's a great, great question. And, and we've given it some thought. So one of, one of the ideas that we're kicking around, because you can only bring them back initially in small groups of, of 10 or less, you can structure the groups uh, in terms of where their level of, of uh, fitness and strength is currently at. Um, you know, just through discussions with kids and, and actually just getting to see them when we, when we would do our, our Zooms and stuff, we have a fairly good idea. And kid, you know what? Kids have also been pretty honest with us where they're at. Um, you can you can structure your groups where you can make sure that, you know, this group of 10 is, is going to be the, the kids on the higher end that are a little closer to what their strength level was at when they left versus maybe this group of, of 10 for whatever reason because they had to watch all their siblings at home or maybe do some things on the side to help parents out. Um, they weren't able to get much work done. And then you can group those players together as well, because, you know, let, let, let's face it, you're not going to go from, um, from having players in, in groups of 10 to in the next two weeks, uh, it's full go and, and the season's two weeks away. You're, there's going to be a period of time, I'm sure, before we even, we even um, consider playing that first game. And so it's just a case of working back and making sure that those players are in groups where, they can handle that load for the day and bring them, bring them along, make them feel good about themselves and, and see the, the progression along the way. So, so the only work that we're doing right now in our area is players are either on their own doing workouts at home or they're doing some, some, training sessions with buddies or they're going to a, a gym or working with a, a private uh, trainer in our County, it's not open yet for high schools to uh, resume any sort of practice. So we've got to honor that. And uh, I do know that some players have been getting out and, and doing stuff together, but we're not even at that point yet versus in LA County. I know it's starting to open up and, and more and more teams are, uh, are doing the small group uh, group workouts. So do you envision, I don't know, any kind of maybe survey of where they're at too? I mean, I, like I said, you could probably look at some guys and know right away within the first couple of days where they're at, but would, would you um, look at some kind of instrument like that where, you know, you're, you're asking them to be truthful and, and to help them, right? Because I, I don't think with where we're at, and I know – we always look at this and, and playing time's always the biggest thing and the bench is always like a a good motivator. But, you know, I think these circumstances, we can't view it that way this particular year. Because uh, as you mentioned it, I mean, we don't know what was required at home. We don't know if they didn't have workout equipment, if they were watching siblings. I mean, there's all kinds of different things. We, we It was out of our sight. So we have to approach it differently, but would you envision using some kind of a, 
I guess, a survey or questionnaire to, to help you gauge, you know, what's been done with these guys to in, in order to get them back and ready for the season? Sure. With, without a doubt, um, I think now more than ever, coaches should make use of something like that just because of, uh, of where, where we're at. Um, players are going to just be across the spectrum in terms of their level of fitness and, and their overall strength. So I think that it would only stand to reason, like if somebody was going in and working with, with a, with a private trainer or even at a gym um, or coming off of an injury, working with a therapist, there, there would be a series of questions that they would ask. Um, and I think that a coach could easily put together a form that was simple for a player to understand and answer where they are. So if a coach even has a fitness test that they've used in the past with their players, they can, they can say, if that test were, per be, uh, were to be performed today, where would you rank yourself in that test? And, and so, you know, the last thing a player who wants to do, I think, is go, oh, my gosh, we may get tested when we come back. I'm, I'm going to I better be honest here. So I think I think that the other thing is, if uh, if you have pretty good connections with your kids and uh, the relationships are pretty good, they're probably going to be truthful to you. Um, and especially if you present it in a way that, look, we want to get you back to not just being as strong as you were when you left, but we want to get you to be stronger um, as we work through this. Um, I think I think players could answer it, you know, pretty good. And, and coaches get some honest answers as well. And then obviously you can use eyeball tests as well. Um, you can ask the player what they have done. Um, if you've had kids that have been submitting videos to you as well, you know where your kids are at um, because the kids that have been submitting the videos on a regular basis are probably those that are in pretty good shape and uh, maintain some level of strength as well. Yeah, I think the approach you take is going to be critical to getting your team ready for the season. And there was a really good uh, one of the virtual summits that was done with Eric Quorum. And Eric actually talked about this on the, the podcast. This is before uh, any of this stuff hit, before the shutdown happened. Uh, we had a really good talk, and I'll share the link to that one. I think it was from February, where he talked about really looking at and, and kind of work, like you said, working backwards um, to, to get these guys ready. Uh, what, what's really required? What does your team face during the season? And this is different for everybody. I think this is individualized. So if you go back and you look at your film from last year and, and know how you operate, so whether you're a no-huddle team uh, you're a team that huddles and have time between plays is to start when you get to practice, start scripting. Um, and it, you probably can't do it every day because, you know, it does require the time. But but thinking of, you know, what kind of drive do we face? How many, as an example, seven play drives are there? How many am I going to script during practice? And what typically is the time we have off in between series? And Eric uh, shared some of those numbers on the podcast, Eric Quorum is at uh, William and Mary and is uh, the athletic director of strength and performance there. Just a, a phenomenal job. He's been in the NFL, et cetera. So um, to, to look at things that way, I think is going to be very important. And, you know, I think about how I did things when I was scripting it. I never actually thought about it that way. We were a high tempo. We'd get in there, run 
uh, depending on the day, four to six plays with our first team. They'd get off. Our other team would would run um, anywhere from two to four plays. Then they'd be back on, and it was this very patterned thing that actually doesn't work anything at all like a game when you think about it. So I think that's one opportunity is to think about the, the rest intervals your players get and to start preparing them that way so that as you get to game one, they are in better shape and, and uh, you know what they're ready for. And I think we're going to have to be honest with ourselves too as, as we get towards the season is what can they handle. And that might have to be tweaked from how we did things before. Totally, totally agree with you. And, and those are great points um, brought up. Uh, we, uh, we actually had a uh, guest speaker, Jason George, who was one of the uh, head strength and conditioning coaches with the Texans. Houston Texans talked to our players about just conditioning for football. And, and you know, and he talked about all the, the wasted things that, you know, coaches have done in the past and coaches are, are getting pretty good at just, you know, or better at how to condition your players. And one of the things that he said is like, you know, you can actually get conditioned by the drills that you do. Um, you know, you just can, you can change the, the tempo, the length, the rest period, and you can manip- manipulate all of that. And he said that would be way more advantageous than simply just going out and running gassers or, or, or those, those kinds of things. And so, you know, the other thing is if you look at it, um, coaches want to just implement every, like we just feel the need sometimes that we have to just implement everything right away. And this, um, this goes back to, uh, Boyd Epley, who, when he was, you know, he was the guru, guru, the strength coach at Nebraska. Um, I had seen him speak and he said, you know, too many times, you know, it's January and the coaches are introducing their strength program. And they're also introducing their plyometrics program and their speed program you know, and what happens is the nervous system just gets fried because you're introducing all of this stuff early on, all of it together and the body can't handle it or adapt. And he said, so you have to, you have to kind of, you know, piece it together. So first you introduce the strength program and then over the period of a month, as they're getting stronger, you can now introduce the speed or the plyometrics program. And then the next period you would introduce the third phase of that as well. And I think that's kind of the approach you need to take uh, as you're getting ready for the season, you just can't implement it all at all at the same time because of the challenges that you could have with possibility of injuring kids who've been laid off for a long period of time. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to take a lot more planning than we typically have. And I do think everybody, wherever you're at right now in this return to play is taking a look at your, your install plans, taking a look at all of those things. Not you know, mentally, I think we're working on some of those things. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, the physical load is going to be very important here on, on how you're able to bring your players back and get that team ready for week one. And I know, you know, in talking to coaches around the country in, in their different states, uh, that period to get ready for week one might be shorter than you typically have. And you may not have the scrimmages you used to have. So you're really going to have to look at the reps and that are available and how many you can get in practice and in knowing that you might need to look at how much you're putting in in your install. I agree with you on that. Yes. Yeah. Coaches, there's just going to be a lot of different things that coaches are going to need to consider that we've taken for granted for forever. So uh, the other thing, Jeff, we were talking about a little bit was during this time, being able to keep that connection with your players. And as you said, they're not back with you yet in California where you're at, but, um, 
you know, aside from, I think, in talking to college guys, look, talking to guys in the NFL, everybody's kind of doing the same thing, does the Zoom meetings, doing their installs. But you've looked at this, too, in terms of, and, and I remember, geez, I, I can't, this was... This was back some time. I just remember some stuff you posted on social media. But, you know, it's been an emphasis for you to be sure that you guys are finding a way to stay connected with the players on your team. And, and I guess take, you know, especially with this has been a tumultuous time, taking care of that mental and emotional side of things as well. Yeah. So so there were a number of things that we did. We kind of felt like if we if we hit all these different areas, um, no one area was the thing that I think helped us stay connected. But I felt like if we embraced all these different things that we could be doing, it could really keep and even in, in some ways strengthen our connections with, with the kids. So, um, you know, first of all, like coaches are just amazing. Um, within three days of, of people being off, like we were on, we were on zoom with our players and I know across the country coaches were already um, planning and had a, a program in place of how they were going to handle things. And that just, you know, shows you at, you know, just, just uh, not so much how competitive coaches are, but they're willing to do the things that they need to do in order to, you know, whether they have to adapt and make changes to, uh, to keep up with the times. And it, that, so that was pretty phenomenal. So, so we, uh, we had uh, meetings with our players three, three days a week where we would get on uh, zoom and have a team meeting. And uh, I found that as a great way to use an opportunity to just present things to our team. So uh, we did a presentation on just like, like, like personal hygiene uh, with them, but we did other things in terms of leadership and, and just, you know, all the different things that we would normally do in our character program we did through zoom. Um, and, uh, and so that was great. And then we even progressed to the point where at least once or twice a week, we had a guest speaker and the guest speaker ranged from uh, high school coaches. We had college coaches. We actually had, um, every pro level. So we had a uh, CFL coach present. We had, uh, an NFL coach present. We had an XFL coach present, which was really cool. Um, and the players really liked those things. So that was, that, that was, that was the, the Zoom team meeting. And what, that would go for about 30 minutes. And if we had a presenter, there was a and a after. And after that was done, we had our breakout meetings for our position groups. And when the coaches would have their position meetings, they would talk to their players to further strengthen the connection, just about things that maybe we did in the, in the presentation. And they would pick their brains or get some feedback. And they would do install. And that, that went for about 45 minutes as well. So those were three days a week. On Sunday night, what I did is I would send the players a Google form. And on the Google form, it would just be information for the week. It had the workout for the week, whether you had a full-scale gym at home or no weights. It had uh, every aspect covered of things that we had already been doing in terms of you know strength training, plyometrics, speed training, and some conditioning for them to keep up with. And, and it was just on them to do whatever they could do for that workout for that given day. And, uh, and then there was always uh, some sort of thought provoking question, either going back to something that was presented to them or from the guest speaker. And then I would share their answers uh, in the next meeting with, with each other. So, um, so I know kids usually like when they're, when their answers are chosen. So we had a pretty good engagement on that. And so again, that was, that was, uh, every, every week that would go out to them. 
And then coaches would just personally check on kids by texting them or calling them. Uh, and we also really challenged the players to stay connected with each other to, you know, take guys under their wing. And we wanted to see some emergent leadership, which really shone through during the, uh, during the, uh, the whole uh, quarantine. So I felt like there was just a lot of great opportunities for our coaches to take a crummy situation and make something of it. And very proud of, of, uh, of what our team did. You mentioned leadership and I think, we are always working all off season long to develop leaders. And I like that idea, uh, you know, that, that you did start to see leadership emerge. Uh, we certainly through everything that's, that's happening in our country. I think there's opportunities that that can be fractured in a number of ways, whether, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways that people can get divided. How do you now with some of the, these challenges that, I mean, if, Sometimes you're watching too much social media or TV, but you're seeing all these things all the time. Have you guys dealt with some of those things? Uh, I think it's important to be open and give players the platform to feel like they can talk to their coaches and their teammates about stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I think one of the great, like football is just, I well, probably most sports, um, but because football is my thing. I can only speak on that. Um, sports is just a great way to show the world generally how things should be run. When you take a look at, you know, in a, in a program with good culture, the locker room. And so our, like, I, I, I can't stand when people say that you have to be accepting of people's backgrounds and, and uh, where they come from and, and, and all that. I, I find that it's about embracing each other. It's not about accepting each other. It's about embracing each other and embracing our differences and, and our, our, uh, how we, we are as individuals. Um, and so football is one of the greatest things about, you know, um, was it coach Curry, uh, the huddle? Yes. I uh, had the, uh, and so when you look at that, that's so true. Like you embrace, you embrace all the different backgrounds and all the different, all the different colors of, of, uh, of each other's skins and, and all of that. And, and that's the great thing about football in terms of being a family. And really the only thing football asks um, of the kids is like bust your butt on a daily basis. So it's, it's about respect, not respect because of somebody's religion or skin color or social status. It's, it's about respect for the work that they put in. And, and the players know that the guys that are respected the most are the guys that bust their butts on a daily basis. Well, I, I can definitely appreciate, you know, that. And um, I do think coach, coach Curry's huddle is a great video. If you haven't seen it out there, it's all over Twitter or Facebook. So I, I recommend taking a look at that, but um you know, football can be a unifying thing. As you look at that coach and and look at, you know, we're always looking for teachable moments, right? As, as teachers in general, um, how do you expand that idea of what you guys do in your huddle, in your team, that that uh, functions as you've talked about it, and extend that out to your community? Be that not just a leader by example, but start to show people like, Hey, this is what we do and, and try to extend that to make a difference. Yeah. So, so I think just the simple thing of getting your kids out in the community um, as a team and doing things in the community where people can see, you know, Hey, those kids are pretty good kids. Wow. And then even as a coach, you go, you know what, geez, I have some knuckleheads in the program, 
But when we get out in the community, it's amazing to see what they're doing. And, and they grow and they become more confident and they become more aware um, of, uh, of how people are looking at them and expect them to act out in the community. So I think that's very important. And we've done some, some simple things and it's super easy because we're, we're a one high school community. And as we grow, we're going to stay that way. Um, so I kind of feel spoiled, um, just because it's really not very common in California anymore. Um, you know, so we do things like, uh, like our players volunteer for various things. Um, the mother, mother son dance, uh, at the elementary school. So our players volunteer for that. We've also had, uh, lots of opportunities for our players to do projects, uh, at the uh, Mustang rescue ranch, uh, here in town, far from perfect Mustang rescue ranch where they've gone out either in small groups. So there were times where we literally had pretty much the entire team out there program. And so when players are doing that, you know, the people that are involved in those organizations or elementary schools see them, but also the people that are coming, like the moms that came with their kids saw our players and the people that were at the Mustang ranch. So I think it's very important for coaches. The simplest thing that you can do to work on, on, on your kids is just, just get them out. Like it doesn't have to be, um, some sort of uh, social statement or anything, although there are great opportunities for that as well. Um, I just think that it's important just to get them out in the community so that they, they can see what's expected, how they should act. Um, and they start to see themselves differently too. And they, they, they only grow from that. Coach shifting gears here a little bit and looking at the professional development side for coaches, you know, when this shutdown first happened, uh, we had zoom clinics all over the place to the, to the point where if you're, uh, attending a ton of those, you might have a playbook now that looks like a telephone book, right. Or an encyclopedia. (laughs) It could, it could, it could potentially get that big. And, and you talked about that, that there was, you know, for you, man, wow, a lot of stuff out there, a lot of good ideas. Um, I guess, how have you been able to filter through all that? And what was your approach in, in all the things you looked at uh, that are making you better professionally, but maybe somehow making, making their way into what you guys do now on offense, defense, special teams? Yeah, so, so you know, probably like most coaches, the first, the first, you know, few weeks, you're going, oh my gosh, what do I do? I'm just not used to sitting around at all. Um, and then there were all these opportunities where guys were having zoom clinics. And again, like most everybody, I probably jumped on and spent a good portion of the day watching stuff. Um, and then over time you realize that, okay, there's, there's things that are here, um, that I felt would, would serve us in, in one of two ways. So it would be either something that I would like to learn because I find that there's possibility for it to be useful in our program um, in some way, or it's something that, you know what, I may not use it right now, but this is just really good stuff to know. Like I may use this at some point, but it's just going to make me um, maybe a a little more uh, aware of just how somebody's running a defense or adjustments or things that you can do offensively. Um, and I think that it's just, you know, like lifelong learning, it's never a bad thing to learn more. And that was actually brought up by a good pal of mine. Uh, when I had told him, there's just so much stuff out there. I don't know. Am I wasting time? He says, well, you have to, you know, you have to organize your time, but Jeff, there's a lot of good stuff out there that you don't necessarily have to use right away, but it'll be invaluable at some point down the road. 
Um, and so, so, you know, there were some really good things special teams wise that I, that I found that really helped us out with, with drilling guys in mass, especially early on in fall camp, um, good special teams drills. Uh, coach Deerman uh, had offered some things uh, in some of those zoom clinics about just how he uses RPOs at uh, in his program that I thought were really very uh, simple, but yet brilliant at the same time. And then just, you know, attacking uh, some, some different fronts with, uh, with what we're doing in, in our offense. So, I sound like it, it, uh, it gave us some, some extra ideas maybe, but also it solidified, uh, some of the stuff that we're doing, um, either offense, defense, or special teams. Yeah. It's always good to get that validation, isn't it? To, to say, okay, I was on the right track. Exactly. And you know, the other thing we, we were supposed to take some visits as a staff, uh, in March and, and, or sorry, in, in April and it just wasn't going to work out with everybody being shut down. So we had an opportunity a few different times to jump on with some college staff so to, to get uh, serviced up as well, which was really good. Coach, you know, we're talking about Zoom here as far as professional development. What do you think you can do in the future with this to continue to develop your players? Yeah, so yeah, so I, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I've learned uh, with using Zoom are – even going forward and being back in school whenever we are, uh, there's going to be opportunities where we can get our team on during the off season and have guest speakers from, uh, from out of town that, you know, obviously can't fly them in, but they'll be able to, to speak to our team. So I, I could definitely see us using it during the off season uh, next year. And then the other thing is just being able to reach out and connect with coaches and share or learn um, we may we may not be able to go to all parts of the country because of budget, but there's going to be things that we can still do where we can jump on with uh, with a coach, uh, maybe on on a weekend in the off season where we can get uh, we can get clinics up. So lots of, lots of great takeaways. Yeah, coach. As you look at 2020 now, and uh, at some point you're getting back on the field. I know we're we're all waiting, all of us, for the word on what the season's going to be, but. For you, what is going to give your team the, the winning edge after all you've been through and you know all, all you're going to go through to get them ready? What's going to be the winning edge for you guys in 2020? So, you know, the, the winning edge to us is just about um, connected and not having to, you know, restart from ground zero. I feel like we had a good foundation when we left and being able to stay connected rather than just going, okay, I'm just sending this stuff out to my kids every week. The fact that we, the fact that we were actually, you know, talking to players and, and still growing in some way. Uh, I, I think that's been very helpful. And, and I think the other part is we probably spent more time with classroom stuff, given the circumstances than we would have in the past. So I think it's going to allow our kids to understand, you know, not just what the scheme concept is, but, you know, the why, the why behind the play and why are we doing it this way and what's, what's involved uh, in a particular play to make it successful. I think that that will help us down the road. Coach, I know uh, you do like to help coaches uh, active on social media. You also have some uh, great coach tube courses as well. Uh, where can our listeners connect with you and uh, what, you know, I guess if you want, give a just a kind of a brief rundown of your resources that you have available. 
Yeah, so I've got some uh, some really valuable stuff I feel on uh, on on CoachTube for uh, for guys uh, to take a look at. I've also got a, a manual that's a career's worth of work um, for anybody who's either a head coach or aspiring to be a head coach on uh, eightlaces.org. And uh, if anybody wants to reach out on Twitter, I'm at Coach Steiny on Twitter and love to uh, love to talk ball and, and program development with guys. Jeff, it's always great to c- catch up with you and best of luck to you and the Cougars in 2020. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks again, uh, Keith, and all, all the best to, uh, to you and your family. And thanks for uh, thanks for all you do. Thanks again for listening to Coaching Coordinator. I want to remind you about some of the resources we have available for high school coaches. First and foremost is our football development model, which is actually designed for youth football community, your parents, your youth players, your youth coaches, and youth commissioners. And we've put together a podcast for that called the Football for All Podcast. We would love it if you would push your youth community over to that podcast, as well as take a listen yourself to exactly what the football development model is. The first six episodes educate you on the football development model, the different aspects of it, our six pillars, and we get into some great conversations with coaches, NFL players, parents, commissioners, doctors, about how we advance and grow the game. Check that out at fdm.usafootball.com, and you can find our link to the podcast there. Also, check out our systems for blocking and defeating blocks and tackling. We have our free shoulder tackle system, also known as the Hawk Tackle, which we put together with the Seattle Seahawks, Rocky Seto, and Pete Carroll. And we have our advanced tackling system, which really gets deep onto uh, what we call our five fights philosophy, put together by one of the foremost experts in tackling in the world, Richie Gray. And it just does an outstanding job of giving you some drills that you can do right now as you are limited with contact. The same holds true for our contact system, which teaches you some drills that you can do to teach your players leverage, teach them to use their hips, teach them to use their hands and feet the correct way as you get ready for the season. Check that out at footballdevelopment.com.